0: Five, four, three, two. Hey, everybody! Welcome to a new episode of Devil Feature versus I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad, and today we have a great one, man. This is one that's kind of been in the making for a while, but um, we got two classic David Fincher films going head to head. We have uh, two of his um, arguably best films. We got a uh, seven versus Zodiac.
1: Yes. And yeah, it, this has been one of those episodes we've kind of toyed with. Cause I remember, I can't remember if it was you or myself that brought it up of doing an episode with seven. And then it was like, well, we got a pair of Zodiac with it then Th- that's just how it works. Yeah.
0: I think, if, I think at first we were like, uh, okay, if we're doing Fincher, then let's, uh, let's do fight club. But I'm like, I think one of us was like Fight Club doesn't pair well with Seven because it's a Fincher film, but it's not a Fincher thriller.
1: Right. It's it's a different kind of Fincher movie where it's right. it's a lot harder to do the
0: comparison for it. For sure, for sure. Uh, I'm excited for this one, man. Uh, so how you want to do this? Ah, uh,
1: so thinking on this one because uh, Seven was one of like Fincher's big breakout movies. I think it means more to start with that one.
0: Okay. You mind if I take over seven, you do Zodiac?
1: I'll let you take over seven.
0: All right, man. Woo! seven deadly sins, boy. Let's go. (laughs) All right, so seven um, is a thriller about uh, two detectives. Uh, One is a veteran, kind of on his way out of the game, and one is a rookie, new to the game. So you have a detective... uh, Somerset, which is Morgan Freeman and Detective Mills, who was Brad Pitt, they are hunting down a serial killer that uh, kills his victims based off the seven deadly sins. So if you know the seven deadly sins, gluttony, greed, sloth, envy, pride, wrath, lust, he kills all of his victims uh, based off these sins. They don't know who this guy or or gal is. And basically, he he or she is a John Doe right now. And so they're trying to figure out the whole film is them trying to discover who this killer is. But also about Detective Somerset kind of trying to warn or like not shelter, but kind of trying to uh, be be a be a mentor to Detective Mills and let him know, listen, man, this job drains you like this job catching sick people. It it drains you.
1: Yeah, because they're um, homicidal, you know, detectives. On the police right. force. So they literally see the worst of the worst when it comes to murders and psychopaths and
0: crime scenes. Yeah. And um, you know, uh detective uh Mills, you know, David, I'll just call him David. David has a wife, uh, Tracy, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And basically, Morgan Freeman tells him, like, listen, man, you're having a wife in this kind of business you're not going to be distracted with home. Like this, this job is going to take you over. Like it's going to take over your soul is basically what he tells him. Um, and basically that's the clear cut synopsis of this film. It, it's a simple plot, but it's, it's not told it's it's no way told in a simple way. Like, yeah, it, it the, the details with which um, Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote the script takes in with his characters and the way David Frencher brings that to life with the grim atmosphere makes this one of the best thrillers of all time. Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh the fact that, you know, the you have the seven deadly sins as a main theme for all the murders and everything mm-hmm. and they're done in such gruesome ways that it's insane. Like you have the and I love how each of the people uh later when we find John Doe, uh we never find out his real name in the movie. He's still referred to as John Doe throughout the entire thing and yeah. when we finally you know get to talk to him and find out his motives it, he basically sees himself as a uh, as a god or a messenger of god to you know make sure that everybody realizes that they're full of sin and he does so by finding this person that is just he's a shut-in you know completely obese and he uses him as the example for gluttony by mm. force feeding him until his stomach explodes uh, right. Th- the one for lust is he found a prostitute and basically forced a person to murder them. Uh, oh, dude!
0: yeah. That one's I, gruesome. I love how that scene is played out. Like, I love how they tease that. Like the guys mm-hmm. in the I, I th- he's either in the club, but they're, they're talking the guy who did it. He's either in the club or they're talking to him. You see just sweat. You see him just look, look like kind of just disturbed mm-hmm. and they go like, like, what what happened here? and i well no he's
1: screaming get it off of me get it off
0: of me right 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 yeah and i like how piece by piece fincher kind of explains to you what happened through certain images and through certain like shots Mm -hmm. and i like wow i like that's how you build a tense scene
1: yeah because you know that it's something gruesome and then it's like okay so this person survived and it's like no he wasn't the target he just was involved with it and oh it's this is such a great movie when it comes to like the creativity behind it and the way that they present the information because they don't feed you the information right away. It, mm-hmm. They kind of build it up a little bit to where you find it. Uh, Cause I think the movie starts with them coming to a crime scene for a lawyer and they, they just find the word greed written blood on the floor. And it doesn't lead to much until they find the note that says gluttony at the one person's apartment uh, behind the fridge. And then just from there, they're they're on the track to find out all these people. And each and every one of them is terrible and gruesome. I, I love how, basically, they tried to be as gruesome as possible with it by finding the people that he deemed worthy of it Mm -hmm. you know and it it just it i absolutely love the uh behind the scenes of this movie where they kind of go or not the behind the scenes of the movie but like being able to see how the uh, detectives are trying to solve this and everything like that and getting close and closer to john doe to the point that they actually find his apartment And they basically have him on the run. And then he manages to turn the tables on the detectives and completely blindside them again. And showing that he is a smart person, you know, and even when they're talking to him. uh, First off, we have John Doe played by Kevin Spacey, which out of nowhere, out of nowhere.
0: Yes, which is which is so clever on the film's part because his name doesn't show up in the credits until the end. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, he he was kind of a secret uh, addition to the movie, and it, he played the role absolutely fantastically as well as oh, yeah. a, a psychopath that uh, believes himself to be a messenger of God.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, he is one is one of his best roles. Um, yeah, definitely. I want to say uh, before I talk more in door about the depth about the whole John Doe climax because that whole climax is just. It's just perfect in oh, the way yeah. it's constructed. Um, the dynamic between David and uh, and um, Freeman, what was his name? D- David and Somerset. Yeah. So I like how uh, this film injects humor every it, 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 in, in the little ways that it can. Like there's a there's a scene where they come to a door and Williams like uh, we can't get in this door. We got we got to come back or something. And David just kicks it down like, yeah, hey, oh. we can get in now.
1: Yeah, that was at uh, his apartment. And that was, we can't go in here. We don't have any evidence. We don't have a warrant. We don't have anything. You know, right. what, what's going to happen when they ask us why we're here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And they just blast
0: the door down. <laughs> but I can. But it's it's that scene is so telling because it shows that, um. Somerset has been through some things. He's seen some things. Mm-hmm. And David is new on the block and he's like, look, we can make our own rules. This guy is a monster. We need to take him down. It it foretells the ending so perfectly because it's like David has no idea where he's and how it can really corrupt him. Terrific, devastating ending. Like even when they first meet, you know, uh, you know, Brad is like, he's loose. You know he's uh he he's like uh all right who's the bad guy you know who mm-hmm. we taking down and Morgan is like you know he's smooth he's like listen slow your roll this job I, I mean I I pretty much said it. this job corrupts you don't let it I, I mean do the job don't let the job do you pretty much yeah
1: he he's basically a foot out the door for retirement and this is all right. being thrown at him and he's like I don't want to deal with this like at the beginning when uh, they're dealing with gluttony. He basically is going, I don't want this case. I, I want nothing to do with this. And every, when they're getting little bits of information, he's still like, don't give it to me, give it to the new guy. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude. Oh man, that, that climax, dude, the, the, the buildup is so great because even when they're in the car and they're driving and you know, and this is, this is Kevin was great in this scene Brad was great in this scene, mm-hmm. Morgan, just with his facial, uh, facial reactions was great when, um, Kevin is in the back scene, he's, you know, he's doing what you're saying, thinking he's a God, you know, uh, uh I'm, i I'm, I'm carrying out a message and Brad Pitt, like just totally destroys him. Like, dude, you're a freak show. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're, 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 you're a movie of the week. You're not doing anything. Like you, you, like you think people, uh, worship you or look to you like as a leader, and you can see the anger in Kevin Spacey's face, like, yeah. like that, that he's like being like told off by this detective who, as we learn what he did to him, like, like it, it's not going the way he wants it to go at this moment. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He thinks he's completely in control during the conversation until he uh, until Mills starts, you know, giving him back and going, look, you're not as special as you think you are. You're just a psycho. You're just like every other psychopath out there. And, you know, do you realize that you're a psycho while you're doing this? Or do you actually think that you're so deep in your own ego that you're a good person and you're doing what's right? And I love that scene. Oh, dude. it's such a great conversation because not only that, but you have like uh Somerset just standing by and like watching it happen as they're mm-hmm. driving along. And it keeps flashing to him, like looking in the rearview mirror at uh John doe and, you know, kind of looking over at mills and then back to the road. He's just silent while mills is just doing this entire thing. And oh, it's such a great scene. the, Basically, as soon as they capture John Doe and this movie just ranks up from, you know, in terms of uh, the thrills, Mm 100 percent, it goes from being that mystery movie to a pure thriller where you have somebody that thinks they're smarter than everybody else locked in the backseat of a car Mm -hmm. and two detectives that think that they finally finish this case. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, because you got the killer. Where, where do you go from here? But um. But I love how, even though Brad got the best of him in that car, it's that final climax where we realize that uh, John Doe has the best of of Mills.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because I love how this film says so much about humanity, and in in that moment, you you got Somerset that this is still a guy who goes by the book. He he feels Mills. He understands mm-hmm. why Mills is angry. You know, it, it, it's it's that meme-worthy moment. You know,
1: what's in the box? Right. What's in the box?
0: Like yeah, like what's in the box? And you know, Morgan's like David, David, <laughs> David. He made you a suspect, or he yeah. said something like that. But um, you know, his, his wife's head was in the box, bro. And yeah. it's like you see the flashes of Gwyneth Paltrow's face, and you're and you see Brad just break down, like oh, oh no. And you're like the audience. You're like, waste this motherfucker. Yeah, it, waste him.
1: Shoot him right now. Shoot him. You have the gun already right. pointed there. Just pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, man. That's a uh, that was rough, dude. And and you got Somerset again, who plays by the book, going, don't do this, man. And it's not even about going to jail. It's the fact that he, he doesn't even realize he's playing into um so into
1: what was John the- Doe's
0: John Doe's plan. So what 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 sin was he in the end? Uh, so in the
1: end, uh, John Doe was envy because he was envious of the life that Mills had, right? Because it right. was a life that he would never be able to have himself. And uh, Mills was wrath because he was wrathful over the things that John Doe had done.
0: Yeah, yeah. And everything just fit together in his plan. It's just it's just it's horrific, man. But it's so horrifically perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you're you so like like the first time you watch this movie, um, the first time I saw this movie, I was a kid. So I didn't really what, understand what happened. But like when I got older, I was like, wow, that's dark. And when you're dark, you get one of the best final lines in the history of film, bro. You get Morgan Freeman, a voiceover saying, Ernest, hum- Ernest Hemingway once wrote the road is a fine place and we're fighting for. Her. I agree with the second part. And they just <laughs> cut to black i was like dude that's a mic drop yeah uh, it, that's my favorite ending one yeah, of my favorite endings
1: of all the ways you could end this movie that is it, it's not even the best way it's somehow beyond that yes it, it, it this is definitely one of those movies that if you haven't seen this movie yet uh highly recommend it you have to check this one out uh, it isn't as gory as it sounds to be because no. you never actually see any of the murders take place. What you see is the right. after effects of it. So you'll see the bodies and you'll see like blood splatters and stuff like that. So it's not as gruesome as some movies can be. Uh, in terms of like gore, it's it's somewhere in the middle there.
0: And right. It shows you the end result. It doesn't mm-hmm. show you how it got there.
1: Right. So people with like weaker stomachs and everything like that, this movie, you should be able to, for the most part, handle it. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not too bad. And I highly recommend it. Like it, it, if you were to like read the description off Wikipedia, you'd be like, this has got to be like the goriest movie ever made. And it's like, yeah. it's pretty low on the scale in terms of that. It's just more the darker tones that everything falls behind.
0: Yeah, man. Like everything's constructed so perfectly in that ending and when you hear about the behind the scenes of this film it gets even more fascinating like like the studio didn't want that dark ending they they didn't really? want that dark ending yeah and that ending was in the original draft and fincher was like no you got to you got to keep that ending that's the whole point of the movie mm-hmm. like you got you have to keep that ending as bleak as it is studio was not for it but eventually they kept it and yeah fincher was very adamant on that man and I can see why, because coming off your debut film that you weren't too happy with, Alien 3 was David Fincher's first movie. He doesn't like that movie. He disowned it. Um, coming off that and coming into this, I can understand Fincher going, I, I got to have control of this. They have to keep that ending. You have to shoot the dog. Right. The dog dies. You have to shoot the dog.
1: Yeah, if the you dog know. doesn't die, then the rest of the movie was pointless.
0: Right, right. And that, that's true. I don't know how they could have rewrote this uh, because it's perfect the way it is. If they, if they rewrote it, it probably would still be a classic movie, but it would be a classic movie with a possibly flawed ending Yeah. if they rewrote it. Well, I also
1: love that uh, when John Doe first turns himself in, the plea bargain to admit to all the murders and everything that uh, he did was being able to bring Somerset and Mills to the location where they can find his last two victims, Envy and Wrath. And so while they're going there, you, the entire thing is, what did he do to these two people? That Because it's shown in, I think it's during Sloth, that uh, he's been planning these out for years. You mm-hmm. know, So... Because it, it, he had, like, pictures of him, like, every day over the course of a year as his body was deteriorating. And so you already know if, if there are two other bodies, they, they could really be there. And mm-hmm. it turns out that he, it was, you know, John Doe and Mills were the last two victims in his weird,
0: psychotic play. Mm-hmm. You know... Yeah, yeah. I, again, it works so well. You know, I heard that Denzel was initially supposed to have the role of Brad Pitt, but he turned it down. Now, I don't know if Denzel was kind of like, this movie is too dark. I can't do this. Or if he he didn't think he could do it. I would have liked to see what he would do with Mills. But I don't know if I'd like to see Denzel in such a role that, that just go, comes to such a horrific end. You know, just yeah. we know Denzel to be the hero. And Brad's the hero in most movies, too. But oh, yeah. Brad can play the hero and the hero who gets got and the villain and such. He can do that. But like, yeah, I don't know if I could see Denzel do a movie like this just because it get, it it goes there. You know what I mean?
1: I could see it, honestly. Uh, I don't know if it would be better than Brad Pitt. I think they'd basically be in line with each other in terms of like performance for that kind of role and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think like we're missing out. By having Brad Pitt in the role, and I don't think absolutely it we not. wouldn't have been, you know, getting something better with Denzel. Because absolutely, uh, between the three main people in this, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Kevin Spacey, they all knock it out of the park.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Like, listen, this is a very grim movie, but it's a grim movie done with with surgical precision. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this kind of film is what makes Fincher Fincher. Yes. He can take a grimy thriller like this and make it beautiful to look at in all of its disgustingness. Oh, absolutely. He, he focuses on the gore, but he doesn't focus on the action of the gore. You know, he 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 focuses on atmosphere and style and character. Yeah, he
1: focuses on the tone of the situation, right. not so much what happened.
0: Yeah. Uh I'm, I'm all set on this one man. It's, it's one of my favorite films. I, I, I really can't find anything wrong with it. I give it a five.
1: Um, yeah, it, it's a five. It's it. If I were to try and find something wrong with this movie, it would literally be nitpicking because every scene just flows perfectly. The pacing is on point. Uh, you even have the situation where, you know, you have Somerset talking with, uh, Tracy, who is mills wife and that whole conversation, it flows into the movie. It's even the scenes that you would go, well, maybe we could cut this. It's like, no, there's nothing in this that you could trim off.
0: I feel like the only way you can complain about this movie is if it's it's not your type of movie or you go uh, Brad Pitt uh, blinked too many times in this scene. Yeah, he, he was he was only supposed to blink five times. He, he blinked 10. Right. That, 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 that's a notch.
1: Yeah, I can understand people that aren't into, like, crime thrillers or anything oh, like that yeah. looking at this and going, it's it's not my movie. That I perfectly understand. But for people that like, you know, crime podcasts and everything like that, if you haven't seen this movie, absolutely check it out. Uh, if you're a fan of, like, any kind of thriller, it, you'll love this one. Uh, some people mark this as a horror movie. It's
0: It's iffy. It's ho- it's horrific but i don't know if i call it horror
1: yeah i wouldn't really put it in the horror category but Mm -hmm. it's I, i can see where people are coming from when they're like it's a horror movie because it it does have a lot of dark tones to it that would fall under a horror movie in most circumstances
0: definitely definitely uh all right i'm i'm
1: ready to move on what about you i'm ready So, next on the list, we have the uh, 2005 movie, Zodiac, Uh, once again, directed by David Fincher. This one follows basically a, not note-for-note retelling of the events of the Zodiac killers' uh, murders, but very close to it. Uh, This is actually the first time I saw this movie. I've seen Seven before and everything like that, but this one... Just because it only focused on the Zodiac Killer, it didn't really interest me too much.
0: But oh, this is your first time.
1: Yeah, this is the first time I uh, checked this one out. All right, cool. And uh, I, I had to say, it, knowing what I know about the Zodiac Killer and everything like that, I even went back and confirmed a couple things like through Wikipedia. Is like, wait, was that all true? And it's like, yeah, that was all true uh, with this movie. So we basically follow the police investigation going through the Zodiac Killer as, you know, he's sending letters to the press, uh, the FBI starts getting involved, the press decides whether it's going to publish the letters and publish the information they have about him, trying to decipher who he is using the, uh, what was it, the the, uh, the codes that he sends. Uh, the letters, yeah, yeah, the letters he
0: was sending.
1: The, the ciphers that he was sending and mm-hmm. everything. And it's... A great movie, so basically the main cast is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as one of the, well, he starts as a cartoonist for one of the papers, then we have uh, Robert Downey Jr., who is an investigative reporter, Uh, we have Mark Ruffalo, who is a police officer, we have, this, this one has a lot of other people and i'm trying to remember who else but they're the main ones that are presented as following this entire situation of zodiac killer mm-hmm. and it's done so well in seeing presenting the information because obviously it's still completely unknown who the zodiac killer was we can only go out the evidence and everything that was presented to us, you know, in reality in this movie. And it doesn't take a left field turn at all and be like, oh, this is totally the Zodiac killer. You know, we're we're going to change history and find him and everything like
0: that. There are pr- there are prime suspects. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. One of um, them being uh, Lee Allen or Arthur yes. Lee Allen who, in reality, was the prime suspect when it came to the Zodiac Killer. And everything presented in this movie is actually accurate to the, you know, proof and the uh, investigations and the evidence they found against him. But still, they couldn't pin him because they didn't have any exact evidence that linked to him, such as fingerprints, DNA matches, or uh, handwriting matches. But everything mm-hmm. else basically led to it being him. in. I believe still to this day, most people that were on that case and even in the FBI files, he is still the only prime suspect that they have for the, uh, being the Zodiac killer.
0: Yeah, man. Um, you know, I've only seen this movie. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I think I want to say, I think I want to say twice, but I had just saw this for the first time, not too long ago because like, the people who would talk to me know I, I liked Fincher. But Zodiac was always one of those films that I'm like, I'll get to it. I, I'll get to it. But everybody would be like, dude, that's probably his best movie. I'm like, how dare you down talk Fight Club? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, how dare you down talk Seven? Be like, dude, I'm telling you, Zodiac is great. And everybody would just tell me it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but they never catch him in the end. So what's the point of me? What, what's the point of the movie? But, you know, I finally sat down and watched it one day. And I'm like, dude, this is like, I think one critic said, this is David Fincher's most involving film, meaning he, like you said, the film is detailed and accurate to a T Mm -hmm. and Fincher takes all of this information. um, I don't want to say all of the information because, you know, you can't, you can't pack a whole investigation in one movie, but he takes the important parts, makes it linear, makes it make sense to us and just like, the, the film gives you anxiety as the main character um, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, plays in trying to figure out who is this guy. There's something we're missing. I like I like how the film is, is as anxious as his protagonist.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because at the same time, we don't know how close they ever got to finding him. For all we know, it, the Zodiac killer was never even a suspect because I like how when they're going through the evidence and everything with the uh, handwriting expert and he's like, I've cleared 200 names of people that are definitely not him and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, One of them being uh, Lee Allen and going through it and everything and being like, look, I understand the circumstantial evidence you have and everything, but looking at these you don't change your handwriting and stuff like that you know once you have it in your mind this is how you write an r you'll always write an r that way it might change a little over time but the strokes are gonna stay the same and it's being able to like be that confident in it as well and even to this day he still i believe uh says that it to his knowledge and his expertise it, it still isn't him because of those matches didn't make it and nothing or for anybody that uh, came across his desk was even close that he had that thought of well it might be this person it was always it's not no we're not on the right track mm. and you see that yeah. in this movie where they're all struggling to try and figure it out and you see the tension behind them all as they're doing this and risking their lives to do it as well because it's public knowledge that these, you know, these police officers and this, these newspaper are, you know, reporters and everything, are on this case to try and find out who he is, and it's a game of cat and mouse to him.
0: Dude, I love um, what, is, what can you not love about this movie? But uh, I like how it starts off. I like how the actual scenes of people being killed um or 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 severely um harmed by the zodiac killer they're filmed like a they're filmed like a horror film like they're filmed like a slasher but they're not done they're not done in a in a crude way like they're 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 done in very cold they're they're showing a very cold um objective manner in how these people were killed Mm -hmm. you know um and, and i like the way uh fincher tracks his camera i like how he uh he, he kind of like keeps the audience on uh, on pause of what's going on. But um, I also want to say I like the transitions throughout this film. Like you see each of these characters who are real people, like change throughout the course of this investigation. Like you see, you know, Robert Downey Jr., who's like the man in, in, in the office. And you see him towards the end of the investigation kind of like be a be a shadow of himself. You, you know, he's playing the ping pong game mm-hmm. at home. And you know Jake Gyllenhaal comes over there and visits him, and uh, you know he's he's just a shadow of himself, man. He's not the kind of like cocky guy he was in the '60s in the newspaper room. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal has a family, you know, like. Uh, but he he becomes more and more obsessed with it to the point where he tells his wife, "I gotta, I, I gotta go. I, yeah. I can't, I, yeah,
1: I can't let this go. I I have a new lead. This could be it. This could be the end of this, you know, investigation. I gotta go, and it." it causes him losing his family.
0: Yeah, it does. It's it's obsession. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I like how you, you transition through all that. And there's one scene in particular that really struck me. It's like you, you got the camera and, and and it tilts up to a building that's being built and you hear Marvin Gaye, uh, infused in with other artists of the time as we as we're transitioning into a new era, and I was like, man, that's so genius. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like how like Fincher keeps the flow going here, but at the same time keeps it very methodical and analytical. At the same time, it doesn't insult it doesn't insult the audience intelligence and doesn't appear to be smarter than the audience. You know,
1: right? I mean, this is a dialogue heavy kind of thing because you can't right. show it from the perspective of the Zodiac Killer. You you basically have to explain it from the eyes of these people that are reading it from like a newspaper or getting a letter in the mail. You know, it. this is one of those movies where it's harder to do a show-don't-tell kind of level of storytelling. Mm. But at the same time, yeah, like you said, it doesn't talk down to the
0: audience. This is why uh, a certain director is key, because I think in, most direct, in any kind of director's hands, it, this this will come off as boring, you know. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a series, if it wasn't like a uh, a true crime docu series, it would come off as a little boring. But I think in Fincher's hands, he knows how to make it flow. He says, "Okay, this is gonna be talkative, but we're gonna keep the audience engaged with the talkative. We're gonna have the right shots and the right angles on faces." Dude, the interrogation of Arthur Lee in, of a uh, Arthur Lee Allen is so tense, mm-hmm. but like nothing is happening. But it's it's John Carroll's Lynch. Um, facial expression and their reactions to him that make it so tense like this guy seems like he could be actually dangerous
1: oh yeah even though they're like they're basically in a room with somebody that they suspect is the Zodiac killer right? and he has such a calm demeanor about him when he's answering these questions and it's like he practiced these answers and everything and you're just like it's gotta be him there's no other way than it, it It has to be him. There's Mm -hmm. no other possible way that everything could line up so circumstantially that it isn't. And the movie does a good job of kind of backing away from it a little bit and not being like, look, it's definitely this guy. But at the same time, they had to present all the information and all the information does lead to him.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think the movie backs away from it being him. I think the movie stays objective.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It stays objective. Oh, okay. It doesn't, like, right. fold in. This becomes, like, a hit piece on, uh, you know, Arthur Lee Allen saying, you're definitely the Zodiac Killer, directed by David Fincher. You know, it's it's a Zodiac movie where he is a large part of it, but it doesn't zone in just on him.
0: hmm Yeah, absolutely uh yeah what can you say about the cast of this movie man Every everybody just brings it oh like, yeah. e- everyone is on point in this one uh you got rdj and his element uh i want to say pre-iron man or was this after uh, iron man one th-
1: this was pre-iron man this might have come out when they were like starting to get him on board to be an iron man
0: okay yeah yeah everyone's on the a-game jake mark who <laughs> ironically all three of those guys ended up in the mcu yeah. Um, yeah. John Carroll Lynch killed it as Arthur Lee Allen. Like, they just so many great actors in this movie. Uh, I want to say now how we build up towards the climax is uh, I, I, I like the climax a lot because I feel like it takes interesting choices. Um, again, all this stuff happened, but I like how it's presented to us in the order it's presented to us. Like, I like that one scene. With uh Jake Gyllenhaal in um Arthur Lee Allen's store. Uh and they they kind of ex- have that look with each other. They exchange that look. Mm-hmm. And uh because it's like he he thinks this is the guy. Like he's that he says, Man, I know in my bones, he's the guy. And like the way Arthur Lee Allen looks at him, like he kind of looks down a little bit. Um, kind of like uh he doesn't want to look him in the eye mm-hmm. because uh I don't know, maybe he's nervous, maybe he doesn't want to give off any kind of Non-verbal cues, like, okay, I'm the guy, but I'm not going to let you look at you a certain way, let you know. It's it's hard for me to put into words. You have to watch the scene to understand. But the way, yeah.
1: It basically, every time that we see Arthur on screen, he's very cocky about himself, uh, mm. very much in the same way that the Zodiac Killer is in his letters, where he's basically taunting the police and you won't find me, you know, you'll know, you never be able to find me and everything like that. And that's one of those moments where we get to see Arthur kind of in a different light where he's not in full control of whatever situation's about to happen there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only other time we see that is when the police are raiding his home and he like pulls up and he literally gets out of his car and he has three officers walking outside of his home.
0: Yeah. It ends, um, this film ends on a very interesting note. And I, I, I think it's interesting because, uh, Well, I guess the transition it has, like you you have Jimmy Simpson, uh, you have his character uh, sitting in the interrogation room. I love how that ends where it starts pretty much uh, Mm -hmm. with the with the because he was like the first victim, right? Uh, So he was.
1: No, he wasn't the first victim. I think he was the one that was tied up.
0: Right, right. You're right. Yeah,
1: he was the one that was tied up and stabbed, uh,
0: thought to death, but
1: he had survived it.
0: Right, so um, he's in the interrogation room, and um, you know he he's talking, and he sees the mugshot, and uh, it was uh, it, it was Arthur Lee Allen, and uh, I like how the, I don't know if it's a music score or if it's dead silent, but I like how he looks at like he, he not at the camera, but he looks at the guy. He says, "I have no doubt in my mind, that's the man who tried to kill me," and then the yeah. film just cuts to black with the uh, epilogue text of what happened and everything. And I was like, "Huh, that's interesting. Like, that's a way to leave things open-ended, but have a conclusion, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah, you gotta end it some way, especially considering this is a story of, you know, a killer that was still, to this day, never confirmed or found. And I I love how they do the end blurb where they go, you know, following his uh, testimony on, like, it finding that person, or to, you know, selecting out uh, Arthur's photo in the lineup. Uh, following that, Arthur had a fatal heart attack before the police could ever question him again regarding this new information. And Isn't
0: that something? Yeah. <laughs> like, right before they come see him, the heart gives out.
1: I still wish that... It, there be some kind of like documented evidence that for sure it was him or something. Cause now that he's gone, it, that's a mystery that is going to be almost impossible to solve now mm-hmm. because we'll never be able to have his word of a testimony saying yes. Uh, but at the same time, if it wasn't him, whoever it is, it's probably still dead by now. That the mystery is going to be on forever. It's kind of like the story of Jack the Ripper. It's it's mm. going to forever be a legend that uh, will never be solved, just because time has passed in the you know realm that it's actually a solvable case. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy.
0: But um, yeah, man, this is a great true crime film. I feel like Fincher for what he does, he he keeps it interesting. It's a long film. It can at some points feel like that, but it's like you're never not on its wavelength. You, mm-hmm. You're you're following the investigation as they're conducting it. You're you're seeing the letters come in as they come in. Um, it, I, I'll never say this film is boring. It does have some moments where there are meaningfully slow paced moments, but I, I don't think it's a um, I don't think it's a slow film at all. I would uh I I give this a four point five uh yeah i agree
1: this is a 4.5 and same thing like this movie was one that was kind of always on like the i wouldn't even say this movie was really on my list of movies to check out because the the zodiac killer wasn't a thing that really interested me you know what how could this movie do it uh you know yeah david fincher's behind it but the topic and everything behind it just wasn't anything for me. And this movie sucked me into it. You know, Mm -hmm. I I now know a whole lot about the Zodiac killer even outside of this movie because I just was like, there's no way that that's how it happened. And then going back and being like, that is how it happened. It actually happened a lot crazier than that. And yeah,
0: Yeah. I want to read Robert Graysmith's book. Like uh, they say, the book is great and I know it is. It's kind of biased because it's coming from his perspective, but I still want to read it. Um, I I feel like it'll be an engaging read. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I feel like this film um, is great for what it is. Uh, Yeah, uh, you got it. You got I see why people call it Fincher's best film Mm -hmm. because it it, it takes the he's putting a lot in here and he's making it uh, he, he translates it well to the audience. I don't know if I call it his best film, but I know why people say that it, it, he puts a lot in here. Um, I feel like this is um, the best true crime film David Fincher could make. And I feel like that's what this is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And when it comes to like a movie based off of the Zodiac Killer, this is the best way that it could be done. You know, mm-hmm. it was entertaining. It was factual and it, it didn't hone in on a very like it didn't hone in as a hit piece against the killer either you know
0: it wasn't exploitative right mm-hmm. so yeah yeah uh yeah man what can we say about the man phil fincher man he makes his films cold and uh affecting at the same time like uh the I don't think it's possible for him to make a cold, distant film without some emotion linked in. Like, when you look at these films, Fight Club, The Game, Gone Girl, there's always some emotion in there, even with something like this that's analytical about like a detailed investigation into an unknown killer. There's still some emotion in there. You know I mean? like
1: how you left out Alien 3.
0: <laughs> See, I never saw that one. I've, oh, really? I've been meaning to watch that movie, have you?
1: Yeah, that one's that. that's a bad one. <laughs>
0: See, I've heard, I've heard different things. I've heard yeah. it's directed well, but the story is crap. Um, I'll watch it one day. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Maybe the directing isn't bad on that one, but uh, mm. it's it's hard to save that movie. I don't think anybody could save that movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd say maybe because Make was good when we saw Make. Make was good. That's probably one of my least favorite Fincher films, but mm. I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate the effort that went into it, but uh period. I guess we're uh, giving it to seven.
1: Yeah, seven wins out. It's it, both of these movies are phenomenal. But right. seven is a movie from 1995 that holds up today. Like if that came into theaters today, it would still be gained the same recognition. It got before. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Absolutely.
1: Not only that, but I think, you know, ironically, uh, that movie when it released in 1955 or 1995 was the seventh
0: highest grossing movie of that year <laughs> as well. When he went at the MTV Awards, when I believe he the won best movie or best director. David Fincher gave a speech. He was like, oh, thank you. You know, somebody once told me like uh, this movie seven sounds like an MTV movie. What's wrong with that? And that was his speech, oh, yeah. and I was like, "That's that's kind of legendary in a way. That makes right. sense because the MTV movies of that era were great, you know." Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, so, uh, anything you've been watching lately? So, I've seen a few things.
1: I've uh, I've been actually binging some comedy specials lately. Uh, it. Watching uh, Shaun of the Dead previously, uh, I decided to check into some uh, more UK comedians and everything like that. So I- I've been uh, doing a lot of that. <laughs> who, are, who are the people? Uh, so one that I just finished watching was the new uh, Randy Feltface, who is a puppet. It's a purple puppet that uh, is puppeteered by a comedian to tell absurd stories and jokes from the perspective of a puppet, more or less. Uh, Then there, I'm trying to remember, James Acaster was one of the ones that I watched recently. Uh, Greg Davies was one. It's, Mm. I've just been going through a bunch of like UK comedian specials that came out in the last like year or two that are on Netflix and stuff.
0: I think the only UK comedians I know are Ricky Gervais, of course, mm-hmm. and there's the one guy that does the roast, uh, Jimmy Olsen, I think. Jimmy, Jimmy somebody. Jimmy Carr? Jimmy Carr. There you, there you yeah, go. Jimmy Carr. Okay. Yeah, I love Jimmy Carr. He makes me laugh.
1: Oh, Jimmy Carr's um, great.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know if he's a talk show host, but is Graham Norton
1: – a comedian uh yeah he's a comedian he basically started out the same way as like think of a stephen colbert or something right, like right. that where he was a comedian that kind of started getting his own talk show and everything
0: yeah i, I like him i like him i like craig ferguson uh um, oh, craig ferguson's great <laughs> oh he's scottish though he's not really british right it,
1: you know what it's uh it's overseas comedy it, it's it's all <laughs> one country over there <laughs> He's over there. Yeah, it's, he's somewhere. It's not American. That's
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, I like I, li- I like those guys. Uh, those uh, those guys I, ne- I mentioned. Dude, I had me a treat at the movies this past uh, week. I told you I'm back. I told you I'm back to going to see movies. Wait,
1: wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. You went and said "Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile" a second time. You know it was sold out, man. Oh. So I had
0: to I had to go settle for Smile. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't saw Smile and Barbarian, man. How was Smile? That one's still like a curious one on my list. Smile is actually a pretty solid horror film. Okay. It's actually pretty solid. It it has some some good jump scares in it, um, a nice grim storyline. For for a film where a smile is terrifying... (laughs) It uh it's 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 not a smiling time. It's not a smiling good time at all. Right, yeah, yeah, I, I expect. expect. It's good, man. I uh I enjoyed it. I would give it I would honestly give it a 3.5 out of five. Okay. Um it so it it was a solid film. It 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 did its job well. Parker Finn is very good at jump scares. There's a very good storyline about trauma in there. Uh, yeah, it's grim though. It, it, it was more grim than I expected it to be. Uh, I'd say if you want to check it out on streaming or check it out in theaters, you, you you'll you'll get your money's worth. Okay, it's, it's a good movie. Um, so, Sosia Bacon, I believe, is the the main uh, actor's name. Uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's her name. Don't quote me, but she does a pretty she does a great job in the main role um, because basically this woman is dealing with something that was traumatizing to her and is affecting her life. Um, and she doesn't know how to deal with this like little uh, paranoia. She has about uh, a smile and like, I, I, I want to tell you what happens without telling you what happens, but basically her character experienced something traumatic with a patient. And ever since then, she's been seeing the same kind of disturbing visions her patient saw at the time of when the traumatic thing happened and it, it plays it very well. Sosi bacon is her name. Yeah. She oh, okay. did great, man. She, she was pretty awesome. Um, but barbarian, man, let me tell you about this film, dude. Uh, this is a great American horror film, dude. I, I mean, it, it's so unpredictable. The structure is nonlinear, but it's done so well, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, Being that these are both, I think these are both debut uh, films for their directors, Smile and Barbarian. Both directors did a great job. Uh, I I like Barbarian a a lot more for different reasons. But basically, Barbarian starts off with a woman. Have you heard of this movie? I have heard of this movie. Okay, so it starts off with a woman that gets an Airbnb. And it turns out somebody's already in the house. Somebody who's already renting out the house in, in um there's a bit of a miss a mix up and he's like, listen, I already got a reservation here. Uh, and she's like, Oh, okay. Well, I had a reservation here. So until she finds a new place, he says, do you want to come in? You could just lay on the couch, uh, stay on the couch until you find a new reservation. Now, granted, uh, 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 um, as it should be, she's a little wary of this guy because she's like, I don't know this guy. I don't know if I should come in this house with him. Um, it, it's played by Bill Skarsgård, so you know. Right. Wait, who is a
1: great, like, a creepy kind of, like, performer.
0: In this one, it, he toes the line so well as, as 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 to whether she should go, should, should this character trust him or not? Mm-hmm. He's turning on the kind of, like, cute guy, but he's also turning on the guy that might have some bodies in the basement kind of vibe. Right. But I love how the film, it, it teases you with, with what's going to happen with this guy. Like, is he all in the up and up? And then the film just veers into a direction you didn't expect it to veer to. Unless you've seen the previews or read some reviews.
1: Right. I Um, remember seeing the previews for this one. It looks like it's, you know, it starts off as the, oh, no, it's an Airbnb horror thing, too. This is a psychological trauma story.
0: (laughs) I don't know if, well, well, some some scenes might make you a little traumatized. Like, dude, that's so effed up. But... (laughs) The movie is played so well. Like there's so there's such great humor and horror in this film, dude. Like it's 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 such a well-made American horror film. And Justin Long's character. Oh man, I want to tell you so much about him. But just just he he's the guy you love to hate in this movie. He does he his his performance is so good, dude. I was like, this is the Justin Long I missed from Jeepers Creepers one. Like right. he is so good in this movie. Okay, Bill is good. The main actress, she's good, too. Um, but, dude, I can't tell you much without ruining it. But I-, I love Barbarian Man. I give that movie a five out of five. Okay. That one
1: was on my list to check out because I remember seeing a trailer for it and going, okay, so it's like an Airbnb kind of horror movie of, you know, is this a killer? Is this? A-? And then it just kind of falls off the real. Based on the trailer, I-, I could not tell you what this movie is supposed to be. <laughs> To be honest, that's a
0: good good thing. All you need to know is that uh, there's two people of a a mistaken Airbnb reservation and there's a basement and there's Justin Long. Yeah, that's all you need to know, man. What's it with Justin Long in basements
1: when he appears in movies?
0: (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. But the movie is great. And uh, I think it was filmed in uh, Detroit because it was set in Detroit. Uh,
1: I know it's set in Detroit. uh that's one of the reasons that got on my radar in the first place is it was like
0: a detroit movie and dude it kind of has like that Candyman feel about it where it's making like a like social commentary because uh the 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 um the house is in brightmore and if you know brightmore brightmore is kind of like a bad neighborhood but Mm -hmm. i like how uh they they make you seem like like no that's not the hood that's a that's a terrible neighborhood yeah, like, there, there might be monsters there you know like <laughs> I, I like the commentary that the film gives like it, it's really great dude
1: yeah um, uh yeah I've seen a couple comments on the movie and stuff like that in it it definitely is on my radar it's definitely one that I'll check out when streaming comes because it's one of those movies that always has like the stupidest times when it comes to the theaters around here mm-hmm. that you know I basically had to take a day off work or I'd have to be like, "Well, tomorrow's gonna suck trying to wake up because I'm gonna go to the 11 p.m. showing of this movie."
0: Oh, listen, man. <laughs> it is worth it for this one. It's so great. Okay. But um, another film I saw that very that kind of surprised me and how good it was. Uh, Halloween ends.
1: You're not gonna be able to sell me on this one, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: Listen, dude. I did not like Halloween Kills. I I thought that was a bad sequel. The first one was okay. The first re, the first reboot of this trilogy was fine. It was fine, but uh, this film, I feel like they needed to throw uh they they they, they not a not a home run, but uh, they they needed to do something very quick and fast to get over the disaster that was Kills. So mm-hmm. they added in some character driven plot to it that wasn't that bad okay like like there, there's some character driven story here that's not that bad but i think the real criticism that comes with this film is that dude if they were gonna go this way with this movie why wasn't it like this from the from the start of the trilogy you know from the start of the trilogy you just got michael myers coming back to kill old lady lori strode you know mm-hmm. in, in their face off now we got this character driven stuff that came out of nowhere the, the, the trilogy as a whole is very tonally uh, uh, dissonant. It, it, it's very tonally off, you know, and I, I understand that. But I feel like they need to do a hay. They need to throw a haymaker to get over how bad and disappointing kills was. And I think ends is a solid end to this trilogy.
1: I feel like you just described the uh, most recent Star Wars trilogy. The first one when they were doing it, it was pretty good. It was OK and everything. The second one was just terrible and the third one just sounded like an apology about the second one
0: not at all I I like Last Jedi I I did not (laughs) like the Rise of Skywalker I haven't heard any positive things about the Rise of Skywalker um I'm sure they're out there somewhere okay yeah you gotta dig into like the dark web (laughs) to find them (laughs) I I see people talk I see people talk highly of the Last Jedi because Ryan Johnson I don't don't see people talk good about Rise of Skywalker (laughs) Uh, what I what I what I usually see uh, when you, when you see blurbs and you search things, you go Kylo Ren falling in love with her. What? Yeah. Like 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 what happened to what happened to the girl Finn like? What happened to this? Like yeah. it's always questions. What happened to the entire story
1: they were telling?
0: <laughs> right. Hey, one of the funniest <laughs> things I heard just to steer off in Star Wars um, uh, w- when we were talking about uh, Carrie Fisher in the Last Jedi. I said, hey, man, um, how did you like Carrie Fisher in The Last Jedi? He's like, what, Mary Poppins? (laughs) He says, what are you talking about? No, I did not like that. Oh, man, I thought that was funny. Um, Yeah, man, but uh, Halloween ends. I give that a solid 3.5. Okay. I think it was a a nice closeout to the trilogy. I don't want to see Jamie Lee Curtis in no more Halloween films. (laughs) It's over. I know they're going to make more Michael. Oh, of course they films. will. It's a franchise, but I don't want to see her in no more. I would like to see Nev Campbell more screen films, but Jamie, it, it it's over. Yeah. No more. It, it's, she says she's done, but...
1: At the same time, though, eventually that next check will come, and, you know, it, it's next movie. Let's do it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it, I don't think I don't anything know. could convince me to start watching those movies again, because... It's just
0: if Michael Myers isn't your thing I wouldn't recommend it. Um, yeah. I just thought for this tri- for the trilogy we were given, I thought it was a nice end point. I thought it was a nice conclusion. I okay. said okay, you guys really made you made up. You yeah. you made up in my you, eyes.
1: You guys tried on this one.
0: <laughs> right, right. There, uh there wasn't too many hands in the editing bay in this film. Right. You could tell David Gordon Green was like, "All right, everyone get out." I'm going to make the film. I want to make this time. (laughs) My name is on this Our Halloween
1: kills did so bad that they were just like, we don't want to just put like the skeleton crew on that one. We don't want to put anything big and that ended up helping it.
0: Yeah. It it looks like it has a good budget. Like it it looked like it had a good budget, but um, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Hey man, have you seen this Dahmer movie? This Dahmer series on Netflix, everyone keeps talking about no,
1: it. No, I want to check it out. I just haven't sat down for it because I heard that it's one of those series that once you start watching it, you're just going to binge it. You're, you're not going to be able to just pause and be like, oh, that was a good episode. Let's, you know, go wash the dishes and I'll come back and watch episode two. It's no, right. there there goes your day.
0: <laughs> you know, um, I like Evan Peters as an actor. I think he's very good. He's very good at creepy roles too. Oh yeah. Um I don't know if I want to watch a series about Dahmer, man. Like I feel like I I already know Jeffrey Dahmer and I feel like this, I've heard some criticisms say it is respectful to respectful to the victims. I've heard some criticism say it's exploitative in some some episodes. I don't I don't know if I want to watch something that dark and that's just me. I'm sure it is good, but it's just not for me
1: yeah that's it, it's on my list uh eventually i will check it out but it's I, I haven't found that day where i can be like okay i don't have anything else i have to do you know i can just lock the doors sit down you know turn off my phone so nobody can bother me <laughs> and just mm-hmm. start episode one
0: dude uh, dude man what about your boy you hear about bill murray uh no so Aziz Azneri has a film coming out. It's his uh feature length directorial debut.
1: That I, I heard about. Yes. That that was a while ago though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it is recent. It is recent since okay. we last spoke. But uh yeah, basically Bill Murray uh got kicked off the film. And now more details have come out where uh apparently the reason why he got kicked off uh the the allegations as they would say mm-hmm. is that there was a uh, a crew member, I don't know if it's a cast member, I think it was a crew member. That uh, I guess he had thought she was flirting with him, but and he kind of forcibly gave her a kiss, and it was a little over the top, and she it was unwanted, pretty much. And uh, you know, the production was like, "Oh hell no, we we're not, we we, we don't want to come up uh, under any kind of uh, Hollywood Reporter uh, article, like after we've already released this film. So like, uh, let's just nip this in the bud now and get him off. And now production has stopped."
1: Well, production okay. stopped when it happened and everything, and then he was booted, he apologized, he kind of admitted that he was wrong and everything like that, and then production began right, right. again without him, and mm. a lot of that was because uh, Az- Aziz Ansari was uh, me-tooed, in basically he had a bad date, and he got me-tooed for it. <laughs>
0: Wait, oh, that was way, way I know, back there.
1: But at the same time, because of that whole thing, that, that's they why this got... were filming it back then? No, no, this wasn't being filmed back then, but right, because, right. you know, Aziz is very cautious on stuff like this now. Okay. That That's why, like, production entirely stopped. It wasn't just, let's boot, you know, Bill from it and, you know, keep going. It It was, we need to put a hard stop here. We gotta, you know... <laughs>
0: Being mortal, not being there. Okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Hey, this is funny because I can picture Aziz in his own way going, "All right, let's let's calm down, man. Already went already went through this before. <laughs> not let's dealing just, with this just, again. Right, <laughs> let right, let's let's just calm down. We'll get back to the movie later." Oh, it's like uh, my PR agent told me, "You got to give these things three months, and then people will forget about them."
1: Right. Well, we it's the internet. Shoot. Give it two weeks, and everybody will forget about it. <laughs>
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm. I, I see uh, this happening as He's that meme where the where the the Vietnam flashbacks are going off, and you're are you're, you're closing in on somebody's head, oh, yeah. and they're getting they're getting bad flashbacks. Like, okay, let's just let's just calm down, man. We'll get back to this in a minute.
1: Right, everything's gonna be okay. We're just gonna take a breather. We're gonna step away from the box.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> um yeah 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 so so that's what's going on uh i had heard something i don't know how true this is it could be just a rumor but i I think i heard something about cartoon network uh being
1: done for uh so no it's cartoon network studios is being merged into uh wb animation so, okay, basically, okay. Cartoon Network Studios was the animation studio behind a lot of, like, Cartoon Network's biggest shows. Like, when you think back to, like, our day, uh, Dexter's Lab, Kids Next Door, Powerpuff Girls, you know, basically everything was done by either hanna Barbera or Cartoon Network Studios. And mm-hmm. now Cartoon Network Studios is being merged into WB Animation. So it's not really dying but it's no longer going to exist as cartoon network studios
0: okay so cartoon network channel's thing yes. but wb is taking over wb
1: animation is going to be like the new house for like all the animation work for those shows which wb animation was already taking over some of it like mm-hmm. I want to say, a good portion of the shows were already being worked on by like WB Animation, like T Titans Go, and uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a couple others. I really don't know what's on Cartoon Network these days outside of like Adult Swim. So,
0: <laughs> dude, past regular show, uh, Adventure Time and Infinity Train, I don't either.
1: Yeah, well, none of those are going on anymore either.
0: So, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm I'm way out of touch, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm in the same area. All I know is Teen Titans Go is still on the air because people complain about it constantly. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, that's well, is that good news? Uh, I that-
1: I don't consider it to be good news because at the same time, HBO is cutting things left and right, so who knows what cuts this will lead to. Uh, with them just going because right now they're phrasing as look it's all going to be under one studio now so it'll be a lot easier for like the uh, artists and you know the directors and the writing to you know be on the same page for everything instead of being in multiple places uh but in reality it's like okay but how many people are getting cut now because they're not bringing them over to wb animation Mm. from cartoon network studios and yeah so it's it, they're phrasing it to be like this is going to be like the greatest thing ever it, for mm-hmm. animation, but really it's just HBO trying to find some way to, you know, cut their taxes some more, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a different time, boy. You know, when commerce would take over, you wouldn't mind because there was still an artistic license in effect. Mm-hmm. Now it's like commerce is taking over, and now we're just stuck with. 90 day fiancés the uh the single life after the single life and you know like uh the the 30 uh i forgot the other one but um yeah dude it, it's crazy it's yeah. crazy I, I don't know how this merge is going to work out for hbo max uh cuz you know now i hear that paramount and showtime are linking up which i don't mind mm-hmm. that sounds that's fair cuz it's both under paramount right uh i i, I hear that disney plus could eventually be merging hulu into their library which i don't mind uh
1: that one i don't think is gonna happen as much because hulu has a lot of licensing rights for things that aren't under the disney fox umbrella and i think mm -hmm. they want to try and like keep them separated because they could lose that licensing otherwise okay okay
0: well you know maybe, maybe you're right uh, it's it's just uh it's just it's just a different time right now, and I know we always talk about streaming and stuff. I was gonna bring something else up to you. Um, so I heard that Marvel had like a had like a had a, like a short film called like "Wail by Night" or something.
1: Yes, their Halloween special. Uh, to do their uh introduction into like the horror genre of the marvel comics and everything uh werewolf by night is actually a comic that was taking place in like the same kind of thing as like dracula werewolves frankenstein are all like a part of the mcu in a way okay and this movie is kind of introducing that a little bit into the mcu or did not movie it, it is a short
0: okay all right i actually heard that uh I heard people praise this. They say, "Like, man, Marvel should do some more of these. This was very artistic, very entertaining."
1: It doesn't have the Marvel formula feel to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think because it was a low stakes kind of thing, where if it didn't work out, it, 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 nobody's going to remember it. But mm-hmm. it did work out. It's kind of the same as Moon Knight, where they kind of just let it be its own thing without forcing it to tie in with everything else. And I think yeah, that I heard
0: worked. I heard that series is good. I still need to check that out.
1: Oh, yeah. I d- highly recommend that one. Uh, even She-Hulk, I think, kind of did its own little thing and everything. And
0: I think that one turned out pretty well. There are so many guys mad at that show. <laughs> and I'm like, is it really just because it's a female hero? Like, Because I, I try to understand. Like, okay, Megan Thee Stallion, that seems kind of dumb to me, too. But I'm like, is that the only what, reason I don't like the show? Because, yeah. Like, I don't know.
1: The best part is the people that are like upset with it are like this isn't like the She-Hulk that, you know, they're trying to ruin comic books. It's like clearly you haven't read a She-Hulk comic in the last 15 years because this series is dead on accurate to the comedy and everything that (laughs) those comics have. Like the She-Hulk comics are really fun comics because she does break the fourth wall. It does make a lot of jokes about things that are in the comics and everything, like from a legal standpoint, uh, it's, and people are like, Oh, it's woke culture in a thing. It's like, no, it's not. You know, it's,
0: this th- is just literally how the comic is. This
1: is literally how the comics have been for the last like 15 years. You know, this is before woke <laughs> culture was a word. The comics were in this kind of way. Uh, Yeah, I always love that, because when people, like, point out, yeah, if Avatar The Last Airbender came out today, people would call it a woke cartoon because of how many cultures and, you know, how many different people with, like, different disabilities and everything, you know, are seen as heroes in that world.
0: Possibly. Possibly.
1: Well, yeah, one of the main characters is a blind little girl that is one of the strongest people in the universe and acts as the trainer for the main protagonist for one-fourth of his powers.
0: Mm. yeah possibly possibly <laughs> no you you're, you're right you're right it could be um yeah i agree with you i i i that is on my uh list too i kind of been tapped out of marvel lately uh yeah. but um and it took blade off the schedule no it got moved uh, they don't have a confirmed date anymore
1: no wait
0: no no i'm telling you they said that, that they didn't say it's canceled but they said in so many words, uh, oh, we're just gonna push it back to uh, you know, hey, you know that day." No, like, like wait, hold the, on. Direct, the director dropped out. Um, I you know they say creative differences or scheduling or something. And I, I got a feeling in my bones. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I think Mahershala might be like, "All right, guys, peace out." Because I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: I, I doubt he's going to piece out on it. But at the same time, yeah, it did get pushed back a year. It's now in 2024, uh, scheduled for September of 2024.
0: You know, I got time for that, man.
1: It, again, I think we've talked about this on previous episodes and everything like that. Uh, I don't care what's coming out in two years. I want to know what's coming out next year.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, OK, two more things I want to talk about. They they just happen to be Marvel related, but they're good. Uh, T.J. Miller and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so did you hear about that little like spat or uh, for a reason why he was kind of mad at Ryan? Uh,
1: no, I know TJ Miller was going through a lot of stuff after right, his, right. Uh, you know, what was it? A brain tumor he had.
0: Oh, I don't know about the brain tumor, but I know about the, the, the allegations and like, kind of like the, uh, the quote unquote cancellation that came as well. Oh, he
1: had that too, but he also had some medical thing come up.
0: Oh, I didn't hear about that. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, he was saying that you know he got for a minute he was kind of mad at Ryan because Ryan Reynolds. There was one moment on a set of Deadpool two where he made a joke or something that was in regards to his character and, and basically in so many words said like, uh, "Oh yeah, you're just the one character that's here to uh, 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 help us make up for lost time until we get to the um, until we get to the next scene." Like, basically, he was like 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 dogging them. Through, mm-hmm. through his interpretation, uh, I don't know if it really happened, uh, but anyway, after that, he said Ryan Reynolds reached out to him and they talked, and that um, you know uh, uh, they, they 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 made up so to speak. But uh, dude, they're finally bringing Wolverine into a Deadpool.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was huge news when they showed that trailer.
0: Yeah, I don't know how. I'm 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 happy because there's been so many jokes about it, like uh, in the movies. But I kind of thought Logan was the end of the road, man. Uh, this takes place before
1: Logan, so Logan still takes place at like the end of like the X Men kind of timeline.
0: Uh, uh, all right, man. If you want to make that excuse, that's fine. I'm going
1: to use Logan, whatever excuse I can. I want to Logan see. Was, I, I Logan want to see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again in a Deadpool movie. I don't care. I will leap over every you know fence that you try and put up. Is this doesn't make sense? I don't care. I'm just. I'm going to enjoy that movie. goddammit. it.
0: <laughs> Logan was the end of the road, man. That was a great close off point. <laughs>
1: it like, was, and I can't wait to see him come back now. <laughs>
0: Like, 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 Brad is that type of fan. That's like, listen. listen uh, uh, you know, it, it, through timeline, continually, uh, <laughs> continually, sake. This takes place uh, about uh, four point five hours before this uh plot line in Days of Future Past. I'm like, dude, come on, man. <laughs>
1: I mean, technically, we have the multiverse where everything is possible at the same time. So this Logan could be from a different universe. I dude, I will jump over whatever goalposts you start setting down for this one. I want it to happen. Damn it! <laughs> you can't take this from me.
0: Uh, yeah. all right. Well, all right. Well, there it is, folks. Um, I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. Oh yeah, whatever it will be. But uh, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, It's been another great episode of uh, Double Feature Versus. Please please like, share, and subscribe. Please always remember to watch good movies, have fun, and uh, enjoy the theater. Peace.